audio from Memphis Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit memphiscc.info. Well, good morning. Welcome to Men's Weekend at MCC where there are no Kleenexes. Those of you guys who need a Kleenex, just go ahead and leave right now. It's so great to be with you this morning, and thank you, those of you that are fathers, happy Father's Day. But to all of you men who are present, whether it's here or online this morning, welcome. And I'm so glad. I'm so glad to see you every weekend, but I'm especially glad that you're here this weekend as we look at our next area in our life that we want to simplify. And for us guys this weekend, that is manhood. And the women say, I can't see how it could be any simpler, right? Right. Well, it's great. Congratulations to Loyal and Katie Fund. They were here last night on the arrival of little Levi Lewis, seven pounds. Yeah, that's exciting. Life changed. Last Saturday night, Bria Teakin was baptized and we're so excited for her decision to follow Christ. And for all of you that are part of our MCC family, you're very much aware of Nancy Stone and the accident that she had this past Wednesday. And it's great to have Bill with us this morning on her behalf. And she was moved from ICU last night to a regular room on the ninth floor. Um, she still has a lot of recovery to make. She had a significant, a significant blow to the head. And so, uh, we just need to keep praying for her recovery. She is resting a little bit more peacefully now, and I know Bill's anxious to get down there today to see the improvement that God's going to lead her to make uh, here. So, so uh, let's let's bow our heads right now. Let's pray for her and and let's ask God's blessing on us men today. Father, thank you for this opportunity that we have to be together and to laugh. And also, Father, to recognize how significant our role is. Certainly, Bill understands that as a man who has led his family for years. And now, to have Nancy uh, temporarily down, uh, Father, we ask for his, uh, your strength to be his and your healing to be hers, Lord. Thank you for those that are tending to her care. Watch over her, Lord. Uh, guard her mind and guard her heart, Lord. Uh, that she would be returned to us whole. Uh, Father, for the message that we're going to share this morning, I pray for, for every man, and then I pray for the women in the house today and online, Lord, that are watching who are filling dual roles today. And Father, I pray that you will um, humble us. Uh, may we be enlightened by your word today, and may those things that we've complicated, may they be simplified by our alignment with your commands, with your promises, Father, with your spirit that lives inside of us as believers. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I almost forgot Bethany Petersham. It's, it's great to have Bethany with us this morning. I, I know you're in here someplace. I saw you when you came in right back there. Uh, congratulations on your recovery so far. We just continue to pray for you. So thank you for, for being here. Well, at a pivotal time in his son's life, a man that's familiar to all of us as King David in the Old Testament. King David sat his son down and he gave him this charge. He said, show yourself to be a man. Show yourself to be a man. And then he went on a couple verses later to describe what biblical manhood looks like. He said, this is what it is to show yourself a man. 
observe what the Lord requires. Walk in his ways and keep his decrees and commands so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go. Now this weekend, I I want you to open up your Bible to the New Testament to Luke chapter 2. And we're going to look at a passage of scripture that I think sometimes we overlook with the exception of the little detail that Jesus was left behind by his parents at the age of 12. Just temporarily, just a day, right, in a big city. But but I want us to look there and, and I want us to look at more importantly, more importantly, the decisions that Jesus made, Jesus the man, Jesus the boy at the age of 12 that demonstrate what we should aspire to as young men growing into, young, young boys growing into men and men today who perhaps have not been taught. Men who perhaps have not lived a life surrendered to God's precepts and have found this manhood thing a little bit more complicated than what it should be. Jesus, at the age of 12, he said these pillar words. He said, I must be about my father's business. I must. And what I want you to hear in that statement is the certainty that he had, the focus that he had, even at the age of 12, that he was taking steps already toward his calling as a man, as a man. Luke chapter 2, verse 41 reads, every year, Jesus' earthly parents, Mary and Joseph, They went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. The Passover was a religious holiday that had been celebrated since the Israelites escaped slavery in Egypt. So for two, 3,000 years, they have celebrated this. Every year, when he was 12 years old, he went with his parents up to this feast according to the custom. This is what you do. After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, The boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. You ever wonder where the movie Home Alone came from? This is it. (laughs) Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends, and when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. Three more days went by. And they finally find him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard Jesus speak was amazed at his understanding, at his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Jesus said, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus, well, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. So guys, let's start here with this very simplifying truth. Let's start at the very foundation of what biblical manhood looks like. 
Growing into manhood is a process. It's a process that begins at puberty and takes us all the way to the age of 20. Now, right here, guys that are raising younger men, it, 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 it couldn't be more clear what you're supposed to do. You need to, if you haven't already, you need to take that young man in your home. Maybe, you know, even if he's five or six, you ought to try this. I'm sure Brandon's already done this with Parker back a few years ago when he was that age. You, you need to go into, let's say, Indianapolis. That's probably a big enough town. You know, show him around, take him to church up there, and then just take off and leave him and see how he does. Now, now we know that's not the way, but it kind of is. Isn't it? You see, we focus on Mary and Joseph and what a huge mistake they made in leaving Jesus behind. And we fail to see how Jesus responded to being alone. Because isn't that the test? Isn't that how we identify just where we are in the maturing process? Look at Jesus' response to being left alone. His response to being alone communicated that he was already stepping into manhood. Where don't we see Jesus? Well, we don't see him out back vaping with the other little boys. We don't see him down at the ballpark swapping gum with this 12-year-old love of his life that he's already know that he's going to marry, right? We don't see him looking at Instagram and Facebook, trying to figure out whether he's a man or a woman or somewhere in between. He's not confused about his sexual identity. He knows he's a man, he's growing into a man, and he knows exactly where he needs to be to learn how to be a man. He was already inside the temple embracing the things of men. Look, he was sitting among the teachers both listening to them and asking them questions. And verse 47 says that all of those who were with him were, were amazed that he already understood some of these things. And we say, well, yeah, he was God in the flesh. Well, remember, he was also very much human. He was very much like you and me. In the Jewish community today, when a boy reaches puberty, the bar mitzvah ceremony signals his entry into young adulthood, young manhood. Bar meaning student, mitzvah meaning the law. Son, student of the law. What's this mean? Well, at the bar mitzvah, the father of the boy and the young boy, they gather men around them, godly men other Jewish men. They gather these men around. They embrace this young man. They celebrate him. And you know how they celebrate him? They celebrate him by handing him the Torah, the Old Testament. And they allow him, they encourage him to read aloud from it. From there, from there they guide him in the decisions that will be made as a man. A couple years down the road, they, they show him what it is to own property. They show him what it is to make decisions in his life based on what he's learned, what he's memorized from God's word. They, they show him what it is to be, to be a husband in our own home, raising two girls. God's word has been read to them from the moment 
of recognizing that they were in their mother's womb. You know, as a daddy, it's really hard to not sit there and push the belly button in and out when they get to a certain point to focus. But thank goodness I have a wife who said, we need to be reading them God's word while they're right there in utero. Of all the things that you could do, we began to hide God's word in their heart. When they were old enough to hold a book, they had Bible books with pictures in it. And they began lining up those pictures with the stories that they had heard for their first few years. Today, you ask them a question about life and they'll give you, surprisingly, I'm surprised as anybody, but they'll give you a biblical reason for their choice. Now that it comes time for other things, boys and cars and getting to decide certain things, how do we measure their, their ability? Is it by age? No. It's by how they handle themselves when they're alone, when they're faced with the situation in front of them and the direction that they're heading. Now, the Bible's also clear that by the age of 20, a boy should have fully arrived into manhood. At the age of 20, a male was considered an adult man in the eyes of God. How do we know that? Leviticus 27, 3. When they made vows to help fund the sanctuary, God said that all men must give the most. And he qualified all men as any male from 20 years even to 60 years old. God acknowledged men as ready to fight in war for Israel at 20 years old and upward. When Israel sinned and brought judgment, grumbled against God, the men held accountable and punished by God were those 20 years old and older in Numbers 14, 29. From God's perspective, every lesson and preparation that was required in order for a boy to become a fully accountable Man was expected to happen between puberty and the age of 20. Now, we look at the state of the family today, and we see a lot of brokenness. We see absent fathers. We see parents who have not aligned their lives with God's precepts. We see gender confusion encouraged by public schools. We see orphan children. Even parents with the best of intentions, we see, make mistakes, just like Mary and Joseph made mistakes. So who is responsible for this journey to manhood? Who is there that can see that this, that this actually happens? Well, let's look at Jesus' example. He was responsible for his actions. He was responsible for his choices. He was responsible for his obedience and the consequences. You see, as men, as a man, I am responsible. No one else. No one else. We need to quit the handicapping, right? And saying, well, because of this situation, because you don't have a dad at home, or, or, or because this happened to you when you were at this age, and, and because when you were from the, this little age right here, you, you kind of were effeminate or or you had these types of desires, well, well, well then th this must be the way it should be for you. No, no. I've said it before. When left on his own, as many young men are today, Jesus was responsible for making every 
choice, and he chose to be where he was supposed to be. And where he was supposed to be was where God wanted him to be. And how did he know it? He knew it because his parents had made certain that he knew where he should be. How did he get to the temple to begin with? They brought him there. They were obedient to God's command. They understood that being present was significant. And Jesus understood this before. But I also want you to notice that when they came looking for him at the age of 12, and not yet ready to be on his own, that Jesus was also something else that we let go in our homes today, and that is Jesus was obedient to them. He went with them. He didn't rebel. He didn't run away. But he went, and he continued to grow, to grow in the favor of God, but also in the favor of men. We're in such a hurry today to get to the next season in life that sometimes, guys, we race through the most important season, and that's the season that we're in at the moment. But in every season, there are questions. My goodness, there are questions. There are things that seem without an answer. We wonder what it is we're to be focused on, what attributes we should be developing. What's the baseline? Depending on how we choose, we either bring complication to our life or we simplify it. And that's the point this weekend. I want to give you four, four attributes that establish the baseline for us as men, for biblical manhood. There are others, but, but I want to give you four this weekend. The first is this. A man is to develop moral, mental, social, and spiritual strength. All, not just one, but all. Moral, mental, social, and spiritual. Now, we have conditioning, don't we, for most every sport, right? If, if you're going into football, right, how do you train? Will you eat and you lift weights and bulk up. I used to love working down by University of Louisville. I'd eat at Masterson's Buffet. And there is where the University of Louisville football team, during bulk season, they would go in there, and it, we called it the trough. And I mean these men. These men were right there, and little old 135-pound me, you know, was right there in the middle of them, bulking up. It was great. Then I'd go back to the office and take a nap. But we have conditioning for most every sport. Football players eat and lift weights. Basketball players, what do they do? They run. They run. They'll go up and down the court, up and down the court. They practice their shots. Baseball players, they chew and spit. <laughs> but there's so much more. There's so much more. Moral strength. Moral strength. What's that look like? Well, by the age of 12, we should be fully engaging self-control when it comes to the desires that well up within us. It shouldn't be, oh, that season will pass in their life. They just need to sow their wild oats. No, they need to learn to be disciplined, to learn self-control and how to engage the desires that well up. And by then, guys, the desires are welling up within us. Instead of giving in to those desires as animals do, we need to be disciplining ourselves to know what's right and what's wrong and what's appropriate. How? 
Well, by employing God's word. It tells us exactly where the boundaries are. We're to be men of integrity. Aren't you tired? Aren't you tired of having guys say, well, I'll be, I'll, I'll be with you this night. We'll do these things unless something better comes along. And then where are they? Young women, we're going to talk about this in two weeks, but if you've got a young man that says, hey, you're important to me, I'll hang with you on this day and this time, and then all of a sudden they say, oh, I forgot. I've got this responsibility. You need to just turn him loose. He's not ready for you. He has no, no moral strength. We're to be men of integrity. We're to keep our promises. We're to submit to authority. We're to show respect. I had a young man for a long time. He would come into church, and as soon as we'd get to the door, no matter if there was an older lady there or me, they would rush right ahead, pull open the door, and run in. I grabbed him by the shirt collar one day and pulled him back. And I said, look, we need to learn something here. Whoever's there at the door, if they're older than you, you let them go in first. In fact, you even hold the door for them. We need to learn these things. And this is when we're learning them, at least by the age of 12. By the age of 12, they already ought to, ought to know this thing. We don't cheat. We don't lie. We don't steal. We're to be noble. I love this proverb. Noble men make noble plans and by noble deeds we stand. We don't fall. Moral strength, mental strength. Now here's where I really, really struggled, right? When I was 12, I had already moved on, right? I was ready for the next season. I was ready to work, I was ready to make money, I had my own mowing business like Dakota, wherever he's at, you guys need somebody to mow or do some landscaping, you need to call Dakota Callaway, he's awesome. But I was like, let's just move right on. We don't need math. We don't need English. But you know, God's expectation of me as a man at this age is for me to be right there in those books, learning what I need to learn. And you say, oh, I'll never use new math. No, you probably won't, unless you're a physicist or work for NASA or somebody. But it doesn't mean that it's not developing you mentally. And so we need to develop mental strength. We need to ask God for wisdom and then put it to good use. Because he know, we know he expects that of us. And he expects us to be able to give an answer for our faith. Third, we're to be socially strong. Socially strong. When was the last time, men, that you had a face-to-face -face conversation with someone that you were in disagreement with? Please don't tell me that you have followed the model of texting. Please don't tell me that you actually sign on to your wife's Facebook account and post something nasty hoping that the other dude will see it. Please tell me. Please tell me that we still have face-to-face -face conversation about these issues. We don't walk around looking for a table to sit at. Oh, I wonder if they'll let me sit at their table today. No, we sit at a table and we invite others to sit at our table with us. Really? That's what we're called to. 
That's what it is to be socially strong. Christian men, we have to stop reverting back to the F-bomb when we want to show we're upset about something. I had a young man in the ministry say to me one day, we had a conversation about language. And there's this code among preachers that as long as it's preacher to preacher, you can cuss if you want to. If you didn't know that, that's, that's what happens. Now you know. You walk up on a couple preachers and they get quiet all of a sudden. It's not because they're talking about you. They're just getting every cuss word out that they can. But he said, Dave, sometimes you've got to just drop the F-bomb. And you've got to do it firm. It's the only way you can get some people's attention. And I'm like, you're sick. No. Absolutely not. There's nothing more disrespectful and nothing more disgusting. Why can a man not be a man without throwing out language that's ridiculous? And guys, I've got to tell you, you're blowing, you're blowing, you're blowing. And women, you're blowing your witness with your children. When you blow off these things, I don't know how many people at the Walmarts have almost received that tug on their shirt that that little boy at the door did. When I see them speaking to their two and three-year-old, five-year-old children with these words, no wonder these kids are so warped in our world today. But it's happening among us Christians as well, and it should not be. Finally, spiritual strength. We are to know God, and we are to align our thoughts and actions and reactions to his word always. Spiritual strength is not how many Sunday school pins you have on. Spiritual strength isn't your ability to recite the Old and the New Testament books in order. Spiritual strength is that you know that you need to humble yourself before God so that he can lift you up. Spiritual strength means that you actually do what he says for you to do so that when the really hard times comes, you can trust him because you've already proven that he's trustworthy with all of the little things in your life. My dad and I had this discussion yesterday as we were driving into town to get some Chinese food for the girls at home. And I love these. They, they happen so very rarely. But he said, Dave, he said, you know, it wasn't until I was, and he, he described a situation in my life when I was in my 20s. And he said, you know, it wasn't until we faced that situation as a family that I really began to own my faith. He was raised just like I was. He raised in a good Baptist home. His parents were great parents. They never missed a service. They, they lived and they applied these things, but... But listen, he didn't discover till he was in his 40s that he didn't own his own faith. That he hadn't really, he'd been living by his own power, by his own strength. He hadn't really trusted God with things until that day. And it's made all the difference in the world. You see, like King David, we don't use our past failings as an excuse to let our own sons fail. Instead... King David firmly led Solomon, observe what the Lord requires. Walk in his ways, son. Keep his decrees and commands, his laws and requirements, so that you can know, so that you can prosper, so that you can live this life.
that God has for you. And we do this one day at a time, and we do it intentionally. We practice this. We practice it over and over again. We live by these principles the same way we learn to wash a car or play basketball or, or learn an instrument. But we surround ourselves and the young men around us with godly men who are not weak, but who are strong. Guys, again, I go back to the table. Stop inviting these snotty-nosed boys. I don't care if they are 20 years old to sit at your table. or to, You invite these older men that have proven themselves, that have proven God in their life to sit at your table. And you bring other men along with you. Second, a man lets go of childishness and foolishness and embraces responsibility. Now, the first thing that I thought of was video games, and I love to just really hammer you young guys that are just on video games all the time. But Sarah said, I can't do that this weekend. Got to be nice to the video gamers. <laughs> but the first thing that God did after creating man, Adam in the garden, what did he do? He gave him responsibility. He put him in charge of something. See, the whole idea behind responsibility is that we are entrusted and we are empowered by God to care for something or someone other than us. And with responsibility and fulfilling that responsibility comes great joy, comes great freedom, and comes great blessing in the fruit of the work. But, you know, letting go of childishness, as Sarah pointed out to me this week, is a continuous effort in becoming a man. Even at the age of 53, I find myself still struggling with putting this childishness away. Goes, well, what do you mean? Well, the man is to go to work even when he doesn't feel like it. You, you see, just like every preacher, she's come and gotten me out from underneath the bed and, and said, you've got to go to work. And I say, no, I don't. She said, yeah, it's Sunday morning and it's 9.30. You've got to get up and go to work. <laughs> a man places his trust in God, not just his own strength and resources. This is what my dad was telling me. For the longest time as a man, he felt like he was, he was it. He could take care of it. He didn't need God to be involved in these things. But a man places his trust in God. A man isn't petty. Instead, a man always lays down his ego so that someone else can have their moment. Bill knows this. Our churches today are dying. There are very few men like Chris Miller, who's home from Bible college this weekend, who are willing to give their life to preaching the Word of God. Very few men. And so many of our churches, even the largest, because the preacher has been unwilling to let his ego go and let others succeed. These churches are failing because they don't have new, new blood. They don't have young ministers to come and take their place. We've got guys chomping at the bit here, right? We're too deep on the bench. Brandon doesn't want it, then, then David will take it when I get run over by a car, which they've, they've been hit, trying to hit me out in the parking lot for the last couple of years. <laughs> But a man lays down his ego so that someone else can have their moment. At the end of a long work day or night, a man spends his first hour at home catching up with his family. With his family. Not drinking a beer or hanging out. 
catching up with his family. Say, I don't have anything to talk about. Make a list. I had to do that for several years. I had to make a list so that when I got home, I could remember the things that I could share with my family. This one is personal, and I couldn't say this last night because there were teens all around my teen daughter and didn't want to embarrass her, but, but I, I, I'm going to give you this example, and Livy, it's okay. You're not going to really be that embarrassed. But here's what I've learned. When I'm sitting in my chair at night, kind of zoned out on the uh, Netflix or whatever Sayers got pulled up for me to watch, these crime movies and stuff, How to Kill Your Wife and all these things. <laughs> when I'm sitting there watching these things, and my girls absolutely hate those shows. When my teenage daughter dares come out of her room and comes in the living room and wants to spend five minutes with her dad, what do I do? Do I keep watching it? You know I don't. I hand her the remote and I say, please put it on whatever you want because I cherish the time that I get to spend with you. That's what it is to put away childish things and foolish things. He loves his wife in such a way that she feels appreciated and cared for, not just the object of his obsession. And young men, he honors his future wife by being sexually pure today. The Apostle Paul said, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I even reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I did away with childish things. Third, a man functions independently, financially, spiritually, and physically. Both the Old and the New Testament say that a man shall leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Even if a man like the Apostle Paul chooses to never marry, God created men to be able to leave home and stand on their own two feet. Now, instead of pounding the guys that are 25 years old still living in mom's basement, which I want to tell you, I left home at the age of 22. I'd been full-time employed since I was 18, had insurance, had enough money to buy a house, a new car, and enough money to pay myself through college. How did that happen? Because my mom and dad, until I was ready to be married, my mom and dad gave me a roof over my head because I participated. I did not suck on them. A man functions independently. I've shared with you my friendship with a man who's a quadriplegic. If anybody deserved a place in his mom's home, it would be this man. But from the time of his injury as a teenager, he has lived the last 40 years independently. Well, what do you mean by independently? There's people who take care of him. He's got a wife. Yeah, he's married, has a beautiful wife. He gets up every day and he wheels himself in his motorized chair. He does have some dexterity in his wrist. He cannot grip your hand. He'll hold his arm up like this, propping himself up to extend a hand to you. But every day he gets out of bed and he gets in his van that he bought and he drives that van himself to work where he works 50 plus hours a week, not sitting doing some scaled back job but a job that many of us would struggle to complete, who goes home 
exhausted. And you know, the care that he needs, he doesn't rely on his wife to do. He pays someone. He calls someone, not her. He lines up the help that he needs so that he can have that help when he needs it. He adds to his community and his world great value. You see, like Jesus, the older and more mature we become, the more we make decisions and take responsibility for ourselves. Jesus said, didn't you know? (laughs) Didn't you know? And sometimes our parents, they don't know. If your parents weren't raised in the church, in this kind of church that actually tells you what the Bible says and encourages you to read the Bible for yourself, maybe you don't have parents like that. Jesus said, didn't you know, I must be. Young men, we must be about our father's business. Finally, finally and most importantly, a man is an image bearer of God. Now, next week when we talk about womanhood, we're going to begin with this point that women are also made in the image of God. But a man is an image bearer of God. After creating the earth, the plants, animals, galaxies, stars, what did God say? Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. He specifically formed us men, and there is a difference between man and woman. He formed us as man in such a way that he sees his very likeness in us. And men, we should see the same likeness in our lives to him. We should see Jesus in us, all over us. Ephesians 6.10 tells us to lean in this way, to be strong in the Lord, not yourself. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Be strong because you're his. Be strong because he's chosen to place his spirit in you as an immersed believer. He lives in you and that spirit, that spirit is to be grabbed hold of, that spirit is to be obeyed because it's the same spirit that had the power to raise Jesus Christ from the dead, that's been placed in us as an image bearer of God. And so as men who are created in the very image of God, this is God's charge to you this weekend. Wherever you find yourself right here and now, whether you're 12 years old and just on the cusp of manhood or you're 60, 70, 80 years old, his charge is the same, men. Be strong. Be strong, therefore. Show yourself a man. Observe what the Lord requires, but don't just observe it. Walk in it. Walk in his ways. Keep his commands. And the promise is is that you'll prosper in all that you do and wherever you go. Man, it simplifies our life. There's no confusion as to what's next. There's no confusion as to what to do when those desires well up within our heart because Jesus, God's given us, is the perfect example to follow through those things. But it's up to us to embrace it. And that's my challenge to you, man to man today, is to embrace it, to follow him. So guys, I want you to stand up with me. Ladies, remain seated. But guys, I want you to stand up with me. I want you to bow your heads with me and let's ask God for his favor. Father, thank you for creating us as men. Men in your image. Help us to be about your business.
Strengthen us in our commitment to you. Fill us with your power and with your spirit. Guide us in the opportunities that you've placed before us right here and now in this season of our life. Grow us in our knowledge and in our wisdom of your word. Transform us into your likeness every step of the way. In the name of Jesus, we ask this. Amen. Now the rest of you can stand. And if you've not accepted Jesus Christ this morning, men or ladies, teenagers, if you've not accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of your life, this is where, this is where it all begins. The one who created you and who loves you beyond belief, who wrote and gave these commandments for our life, men and women, he asks that you choose him now to not just be your savior, but to be your king, to do what he says, to live by his power and by his spirit. I invite you to come and respond if you'd like someone to pray with you or if you know the next step you need to take. Let's sing together.